0: This week, not a lot of stuff changed in terms of playoff seeding. I'm pretty sure the only, like, this week, not a lot of stuff changed in terms of playoff seeding, although the Patriots are now the number one seed in the AFC instead of the Ravens, which is a very big change. Now, I'm expecting the Ravens to continue to plummet down in terms of the seeding, I expect them to land in the wild card spot because I do not think that they're the best team in the AFC North. But not much has changed in terms of seeding, but we are starting to get a, a better grasp of which teams should be in the playoffs and which teams shouldn't. We're starting to see a lot of teams bloom late in the season, such as the Seahawks, Dolphins. Who the Dolphins have been on a huge win st- win streak recently, and I'm really excited to see where that team goes. But we're starting to see a lot of teams make a late season push, and I'm excited to see where these teams go in the future. But the first thing I want to talk about is, I think one of the most interesting games of this week, if not the most interesting game. Even before we knew about the weather of it, it was the most hyped-up game from this week because it's two division rivals up against each other, both of which have been playing very well this season. The Bills playing against the Patriots in 30-mile-per-hour wins. Some people would say that the weather made the game a lot worse, and I understand the argument for it. But, personally... I enjoyed watching that game a lot more because of it. Yeah, would it have been cool to see like an even match between those two teams? Yeah. But we're still going to see that fair game with normal weather between them eventually because they play twice this year. This was just the first game between both of them. So I did like that I got to see this because although it kind of ruined the matchup and everything, whatever you want to say, it was really, really interesting to see how these teams handled the horrible weather. And it says a lot about the Bills that they just continued to throw the ball even though it wasn't working. It shows that even though they don't have a running game, Brian Dabble doesn't have any trust in the running game, which I don't really blame him. But when you're going 15 for 30 throwing the ball, you should probably start running the ball a little bit more, don't you think? Those wins made it nearly impossible to throw a football. The Bills wouldn't stop running the ball or wouldn't stop throwing the ball because their running game was just so bad and the passing game wasn't working because even though Josh Allen has a strong arm, the ball was still like drifting off to the side because 30 mile per hour wins, that is no joke. The opening kickoff went into the stands. It was that bad. The Patriots have the running game that the Bills don't, and that allowed them to win the game because they weren't just winning the game. They were taking advantage of the weather, all right? They weren't just playing and getting equally screwed equally screwed by the weather the bills couldn't run the ball so they couldn't take advantage the patriots could their game plan was just let's just keep running the ball even if we can't even if we can't score we'll give the ball right back to josh allen and see how the bills offense does because if they keep throwing the ball they're not going to be able to score either bill belichick basically just said i have more faith in our ability to run the ball than I do in one of the best offenses in the league. Because this weather was screwing up that offense a lot. Bill Belichick has a lot of faith in this defense, and that's why he was fine doing that. The thing that I think makes the Patriots, Bill Belichick, just the entire coaching staff so great, and this was for the entire career of belichick is that his scheme is so complex when it needs to be but when it needs to be simple when it's downright terrible weather and you can't run the and you can't throw the ball he's just going to run it when it needs to be complex it will be complex but when it needs to be simple it'll be simple and it takes a very good coach to do that the, the simple stuff, you would be surprised. There's a lot of coaches like Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, that aren't willing to do the simple but correct answer. They try and overcomplicate things. McDaniels called a wide variety of run plays in that game. Trap, zone, stretch, counter, belly, every different type of run. Blocking scheme for running the ball. That's what they did. And I mean, it worked damn well. They were able to run the ball an absurd amount and only throw the ball three times and they won. Only threw the ball three times in 2021 and they won the game. That is crazy. That is unheard of. That is unbelievable. And and the one thing I hate from a game like this is the unfair and just downright stupid belief that Mac Jones just proved he's not important to his team, or he's not a good quarterback, or he's out of the offensive rookie of the year discussion, whatever. That is so stupid. Because the team the team still won all the mac jones standard all the mac jones slander it doesn't surprise me because i i know there's a lot of stupid nfl fans that'll make stupid takes based on stupid observations but it's just baffling to me they won the game from josh mcdaniels and bill belichick's perspective mac jones played a near perfect game because that's what they asked him to do they didn't want him to throw the ball 30 times like Josh Allen. Because look at how it worked for Josh Allen. He was 15 for 30. People need to understand that. Even if it doesn't look great on the stat sheet, they still won because of it. If they were trying to throw the ball, they I don't think they win that game. I think mcdaniel's approach to this game josh mcdaniel's the offensive coordinator for the patriots had a great approach the the approach was perfect because the patriots running game is good all right and they know even if they can't score every drive they were gonna be able to stop the bills because the bills can't run the ball at all and the patriots defense Is very good. And the Bills were not going to be able to throw it in this terrible weather. The the reason that the Bills lost this game was that they couldn't adapt. In this league, you have to adapt to every little thing, including the weather. The Bills didn't do that, and they suffered the consequences. They tried to make that chip-shot field goal. That wasn't going to work. The wind is too strong. They tried to throw it a lot, didn't work. Sean McDermott said after the game in a press conference, let's not give Bill Belichick that much credit for this one. But then, right after saying that, he went on to say how the team made mistakes. Little does he know, that was Bill Belichick's plan. That's what Belichick wanted. Bill Belichick kept running the ball because he knew the Bills would make mistakes. And he just took advantage. That's what good coaches do. Especially in this terrible weather They when they can't rely on the normal plays that they would. I'm excited to see these teams rematch in the future. I really am. But let's not phrase it like the Patriots don't deserve that win because it was shitty weather. L- let's not. And let's not phrase that as Mac Jones got carried. Although although he did technically get carried, fine. He did his job. The Patriots wanted him to just hand the ball off. That was it. It's an easy job to do. And not gonna lie, you're not wrong if you say, oh, blank, th- this retired player, or I could have done that. Or my fifth grade gym teacher could do that. Yeah, you're right. You, for once, when you say that, you're actually right, okay? But let's not take that much away from Mac Jones because it's not like he threw interceptions and lost him the game or threw interceptions and should sort have of lost them the game. He did his job. Just His job was easier than being a, a cashier at Costco. <laughs> For once. It, it It doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't have to be... Amazing! He doesn't have to throw the ball 50 yards down the field every play. Or even throw the ball more than three times. He sh- In that type of weather, they made the right play call. And they won because of it. You gotta give him a lot of credit for putting his pride aside. And just doing what was best for the team. Alright, let's move on to another game. A very happy note for, I think, every NFL fan, except Vikings fans. The Lions won a game. Good for them. It took, took until week 13. But they won a football game. And everyone's happy about it. And I see why. Dan Campbell has established himself as a fan favorite for the entire NFL. And I'm speaking for myself, too. Now, do I think he's a good coach? I'm not sure yet. But I definitely like him. And I'm glad that they won. Because they do not deserve... To be compared to the 2017 Browns or the 8 Lions. So I was really hoping that the Lions wouldn't go 0-1-17. And they didn't. So that's great. Will they be able to win another game? Probably not. But it's great that they got to win. And I'm happy because the bar is so low for the Lions that Dan Campbell maybe. Yeah, Dan Campbell probably keeps his job after this season, which is great because I love seeing him in press conferences, and I he's just become a fan favorite for every NFL fan. Everyone loves him. Even though, like I said, I, I don't know if he's a good head coach yet. I'll have to find that out in the future. As of right now, he doesn't have a roster that could allow me to tell, but... Hopefully he keeps his job. Now I'm going to talk about the Vikings and how terrible they are as a football team. Just good job, Lions. The Vikings did the most Vikings thing they could possibly do. Lose in the last couple of seconds to the Detroit Lions. The Vikings are terrible. There's bright spots. There's multiple bright spots on the team. They have talent. They definitely have talent. And I would say there is more good than bad for the team. If you ignore the record and how the seasons went. There is more good than bad for them to build around and for the future. But Mike Zimmer's terrible. The team is playing terrible. They've been playing horribly all year. And Mike Zimmer, who I just mentioned, is the reason for all of this. I I mean, I was surprised he didn't get fired on Monday after the game. Like, I, I really am. He's definitely going to be a late-season firing, even though I don't really understand why teams do that for the most part. But teams do it, and it wouldn't surprise me if he is the first head coach firing. Because remember... John Gruden resigned, so it's not a firing. Uh, especially after those terrible defensive play calls at the end of the game. He's a defensive-minded coach. He's more about the defense, for those of you that don't really know Mike Zimmer. Why why were they playing such soft coverage towards the end of the game? And, okay, in, not just the end of the game. I get it for, like, the first couple of plays of the last drive. But then, like, once they got closer to the end zone, you gotta play a little bit tighter. You can't just leave the goal line wide open. Because that's how Amon Ross St. Brown scored that touchdown. Because they were just playing all the way back. It was horrible. It was a terrible play call by Mike Zimmer. It makes no sense to me why they did that. It baffles me. What do they think, that they just wouldn't notice? They're an NFL team, not a high school team. Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm pretty sure he wasn't supposed to run a curl, but he did because he noticed. Why wouldn't he? What do you want him to do? Just right? Just run directly into where the corner is trying to cover. Why would he do that when he could just catch it underneath? Because he could catch it underneath because they were just playing so soft when they were just ten yards away from the end zone. They were playing all the way. On the back, they were almost playing out of bounds. They were playing way too far back. They they left the front of the end zone towards the goal line. Wide open. You would have to be brain dead to not throw it there. Which, yeah, Jared Goff is borderline brain dead. But not, not that brain dead that he would not take that easy touchdown. With the game on the line, that was probably Jared Goff's easiest touchdown pass of the game. With three seconds left. That's all on Mike Zimmer. Terrible play call. And it's not like it was just one poorly called game by Mike Zimmer, alright? Mike Zimmer's defense has been downright terrible the entire year. The The defense is ranked 30th in yards allowed per game, 25th in points allowed per game. That's horrible. That is really, really bad. And it's not like this defense has no talent, all right? They've suffered a couple of injuries, but they've had Eric Hendricks, Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, Patrick Peterson, and Daniil Hunter. Yeah, those guys, I'm pretty sure. Most of those guys have missed a little bit of time. Some of them missed a lot of time. But that's so many big names. You can't, cannot have your defense be 30th in yards allowed. All right, that that is horrible. That's inexcusable, especially as a defensive-minded coach. This team would be so much better if they had an even remotely competent head coach. If they had a different head coach, this team would probably be in consideration for a playoff spot. Right now, they're they're kind of in the mix of things, I guess. But this is a playoff team if they have a good head coach, if they're well coached. Just a waste of talent. But Wasting Justin Jefferson's talent Kirk Cousins you look statistically he's having a Really really good season Dalvin cook who got hurt which sucks But th- this team is so much better than the record shows or should be so much better just based off the talent But because their head coach is so bad and just their overall coaching staff is so bad Here they are. There's two more games I want to get into before the break. The first of which being the Ravens playing against the Steelers. The Ravens reminded me, not that I really forgot, but they reminded me this week that they are not anywhere near as good as the record shows. All right. The Steelers did not play a great game. All right. Ben did look good for probably the first time this year. But the Steelers didn't play overly well, okay? The Ravens are not a very good football team. I don't know how many times I have to say it before people start believing it, but the the Ravens, they're, they're all right. They should be, you know, sneaking into the playoffs, I think. But right now, you look at them, or going into this week, you looked at them, they were on the top of the AFC. They were the one seed. They are not that good. I wouldn't say that they're a top four team in the AFC. All right. I don't think that they're the best team in their division. I don't think they're that good. The main problem is that, well, okay. First off, what is their biggest strength as a team? Running the ball, of course. And mainly because of Lamar Jackson. Their, their running game in terms of running backs, eh. So, right. And I'm not just talking about the running backs. The running backs aren't good. But I'm talking about just overall their running game. When they're handing the ball off. Eh. When Lamar Jackson's running, it's super successful. When they're throwing the ball, it's not anyth- It's not good. It's very lackluster. And then defensively. Their, their secondary's banged up to hell. They're going to be terrible against the pass with both Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters out it's going to be extremely difficult for them to defend the pa- defend the pass and then their run defense eh it's all right does that does that strike you as great you know top 4 team in the AFC no not at all A team that is only, their only real strength is running the ball with their quarterback? That's not a very, that doesn't seem like a very good team to me. It it sounds good, because that running game with the quarterback is amazing, and their run defense can get the job done. They have a good scheme. And they're able to run the ball well, just overall, because of how good they are at running the ball with the quarterback. But I don't think that's top four team in the AFC material. And when they play against a super good defense like Pittsburgh, who it's about time they started playing good, because again, against the Bengals they did not play well at all. They got smoked defensively, but they they played well defensively against the. Ravens, and that screwed them over a lot. The Ravens didn't show up, and they weren't expecting the Steelers to play good football. Are the Steelers a good football team? No, not really. They're average, I would say. Can they beat good football teams? Yes, especially teams like the Ravens that can't play a full 60 minutes of football, and very similarly to the Steelers, they play down to their competition. it's not the average defense, it's not the lackluster passing game. It's not their random stretches of stagnant offense. It's just you mix all that together and then add in a shit ton of injuries. You'll find you'll find yourself with a team that, you know, Can get a lot of good stuff done when they're really going. But when they're not. They lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what happens. And I don't agree with the decision to go for two at the end of the game. I think they should have kicked that field goal. I get it that their corners were banged up. So the Steelers were probably just going to march up the field anyway. But. You have Justin Tucker, the best kicker in the NFL. You just have to get around the 50. And you can kick a field, you'll make it. Because he's a clutch kicker, too. I, I get it that the two-point conversion could have worked and you just straight up win the game if you do that. And if the Steelers got the ball in overtime, you lose. And it's easy to say that they shouldn't have gone for two with the hindsight that we have after watching the game, but I still just don't think that that was the right call. And, I mean, it almost worked. Like, Mark Mark Andrews, if he catches that, that's a touchdown. He was wide open, too. And I, it was a hard throw for Lamar Jackson to make, but he could have thrown that a little bit more accurate, although very difficult when you're leaving T.J. Watt unblocked, which that also doesn't make sense to me. Why did they just leave him unblocked like that? That was just stupid. It's like they wanted the ball to be inaccurate. But I, I think they should have kicked the field goal or kicked the extra point and then try and win an overtime because it doesn't seem that difficult for a team like the Ravens. I, I think they should have took the game to overtime. All right, the last thing I want to talk about before I go into break, the Chargers game against the Bengals. Chargers won 41-22. to This was the ultimate just change in momentum game, right? I I mean, the game starts. The Chargers are running away with the lead. You start to think that the Bengals are going to get blown out. Then the Bengals just start blowing it up offensively. And then now they're both around the same amount of points. And then the Chargers get momentum. And the Chargers just run away with the lead. It was a crazy game to watch. It was really weird to watch. Uh, but I, I think both Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow played very well. Herbert had some unbelievable throws in this game. And I like that they started to take deep shots on the field again. I don't know why they stopped doing that. It was working so well to start the year, and then they just randomly stopped doing it. The the deep shots, they work so well because of Herbert's huge arm. And Mike Williams is just such a great 50 50 ball receiver. I mean, it works like a charm. And the Chargers' run defense looked a lot better. People have been saying that that's the main weakness of this team. And it has been most of the time. But in this game, they, they played well. They contained Joe Mixon really, really well. I believe he had 54 rushing yards, something like that. But I mean, the Bengals. The Bengals, I wouldn't say they necessarily play downright horrible. I would just say they didn't play well enough on off. They didn't play consistently enough. There was a stretch where they were lighting it up, and then they just stopped. And I think the main problem is just these little mistakes that costed them hugely. Right? Stuff like... Jamar Chase just lightly dropping the ball. And it was a very well-placed ball, too. That probably would have been a touchdown. Way super deep down the field. Joe Burrow places a near-perfect ball. Guess what happens? Jamar Chase bobbles it. The Chargers defender picks it off. Stuff like that. that. That's what hurts you. And then a couple of fumbles. No, just not good. Not good. These little mistakes hurt them hugely. All right? I I mean, both teams turned the ball over a decent amount. But I think the Bengals' turnovers were just much more costly. I still think these teams are close in town. I just don't think the Bengals played their best game against this team. And I I think the game was much closer than the score makes it look. No, honesty, although the Chargers did really start to run away with the lead towards the end. All right, you're listening to the Goal Line Podcast. When I get back, I'm going to go over my rapid-fire takeaways, and then after that, I'm going to be doing my top 10 for this week. And welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. Yet again, I'm your host, Patrick Seifer. And on this segment, I want to do my rapid-fire takeaways. This is something I started, I believe, four weeks ago, and I think it's been a very good segment to have because it's a very good way of me getting most other teams that played this week involved in the episode, even if I don't want to do a full segment on them. So the first thing I want, my first rapid-fire takeaway is the injuries to the Saints' offense is making them nearly unwatchable. The injured players on the Saints include Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Andreas Pete, Ryan Ravchek, J- Jameis Winston, Adam Troutman and Taysom Hill is playing through a finger injury, which made that Cowboys game it made it so bad to watch because you were just waiting for the Saints offense to eventually like do something. Because that Cowboys game was winnable. The Cowboys were a very beatable team in that game. But the Saints couldn't do anything on offense, and I don't even think the Cowboys' defense played overly well. I just think the Cowboys or the Saints offense was just—it couldn't do anything whatsoever. They—they they have no talent. Uh, like I, I don't want—I don't want to say no talent because that's just rude, but they have no one. They have no like star. They've known that they could really rely on on the offenses out of the ball with all the injuries. The the offenses can't function, it seems like. And it sucks because the defense is still playing well. The defense is playing some pretty good football, but the offenses can't get anything accomplished, especially when Taysom Hill got his finger injury. He just couldn't throw the ball either, so it was just, The running game wasn't working, the passing game wasn't working, and the Cowboys weren't playing well. It was just the Saints were stepping over themselves. Now, my next takeaway is that the Cardinals haven't slowed down at all. Even though they have star players returning from injury, these star players are still playing like stars, which caught me off guard. I was expecting Kyler Murray to take a week or two to adapt and you know catch up to like the NFL pace after being out for a decent amount of time and same thing with DeAndre Hopkins but nope the two of them played very well Kyler Murray was running all over the place he threw two touchdown passes I believe and had a pretty solid stat line just overall and I mean most of the time they were just running the ball because they were winning by so much against Chicago the Cardinals played well they're proving yet again that they're still the best play, that they're still the best team in the NFL. I thought that it would take a little while for them to reclaim that title, but nope, here they are. They're still right there. Still the best team in the league. Uh next takeaway. Giants offense downright horrendous. 32 points in the last 3 weeks. That's not even 11 points per game. They have a lot of injuries, but do they really matter? I feel like this offense is bad no matter what. They brought in Freddie Kit or sorry they made Freddie Kitchens the offensive coordinator now with Jason Garrett no longer calling plays but still it's horrible Mike Glennon that was just terrible to watch he he was really really bad and then just overall it's just been terrible even against they won against Philly they won the game against the Eagles but the offense played so bad. I think they scored 13 or something like that. And then against Miami, they scored 9. They've just been horrible on the offensive side of the ball, which sucks because their defense recently has been playing pretty all right. So it, it just you just hate to see that talent wasted. It's horrible. The Giants are going to make some huge changes on the offensive side of the ball during the offseason. And then speaking of the Dolphins, their playoff their playoff hopes are extremely legitimate. The Dol- they're on a win streak right now and they play the Jets after their bye week. And late late season bye weeks, if you look at the analytics, late season bye weeks, teams with late bye weeks play so much better. And they have a huge success rate in the playoffs. Something about having that bye later in the season really, really helps you. Mainly because this is when players start to get injured a lot. Even if they don't miss time because of the injury, everyone is banged up at this point of the season. So it gives them time to rest. Which at this point in the season is extremely crucial. As opposed to other like way earlier bye weeks where you feel like you're just starting to get rolling. And then, oh, here's the bye week. And that's going to be the tough thing for Miami. They have the bye week coming up when they're on a six-game win streak. So they want to just keep the momentum going, try not to lose focus during the bye. And, I mean, you look at the rest of our schedule, it's pretty easy except the last two games. The Patriots game is going to be tough, but they could. it's very possible for them to win out. And my next takeaway... Gardner Minshew looks like he should get a shot at a QB1 opportunity, all right? I I, I know I shouldn't really go deep into the offseason plans right now, because it's still the middle of this season. But Gardner Minshew proved in this game, stepping in for Jalen Hurts, that he at least deserves to be considered for a QB1 spot. Maybe he shouldn't be the definite QB1, but maybe... The Saints, if they're going to draft a rookie quarterback, maybe try and bring in some competition for him in Gardner Minshew. And, hey, you don't know. Maybe he could be the guy for the team. Maybe he won't. But it's worth a shot, right? I I think he could definitely – he's more than a backup quarterback, I think. Whether or not he's a starter, hard to tell. But he's definitely more than a backup because he played really well in that Jets game. And even when he was on the Jaguars – He was playing well. Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback. I talked about him a little bit earlier in this, but some of the throws he made, I mean, his arm strength is unbelievable. I would say he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Although it's only his second year, I don't care. He's been playing so well. You look at some of the throws he made, they're unbelievable. He shows poise. He has all the talent. And I mean, mentally, he's up to par. He's playing really, really well. He, I'm, I mean, he's just so talented. That arm. He pro, he probably has, like, a top five strongest arm in the NFL. Not probably. He definitely has a top five strongest arm in the NFL. The throws he he's able to make, and he just fireballs them right in there. He just gets it directly into that tight window. He's a great quarterback. Great, great, great. And it's weird. I kind of think... People have let him fly under the radar a little bit. Which is weird because he just won under he just won offensive rookie of the year last year. So it's hard to believe that he's flying under the radar, but I think he is. I think he should be considered way more as one of the game's elite. Now, the next takeaway. Maybe the Seahawks are good. I talked shit on them last week, even though they almost won. But their offense has been so bad. Now their defense is playing well and their offense is playing well. Russell Wilson is finally playing good football again. He was 30 for 37, two touchdowns, one interception, and in 231 yards. Where's where's this passing game been the entire year? All right. I get Wilson was injured for a little bit, but it, why'd it take him four weeks to get back to the Russell Wilson we're used to? Uh, why'd it take so long? I, I don't get it. Now, my next takeaway, is Jimmy Garoppolo the problem for the 49ers? I I think so. Okay, is Jimmy Garoppolo one of the worst quarterbacks in the league? Absolutely not. I don't think so. But he gets hurt too much. That's problem one. Problem two, the second anything goes off script, they lose. All right? If you give them a better quarterback in that game against the Seahawks, they win. That game was really tight. And the two interceptions that Jimmy Garoppolo threw is what killed him. I get it. It's tough to play quarterback when you lose your number one target. But when every every single time, every single time, the Seahawks showed Garoppolo a look that was slightly, slightly different from what he expected, he completely fucked up the play. Every single time. He is the reason for this loss. He is. And it sucks that somehow, even though George George Kittle had that good of a game, you look at the stats that he put up, he still lost. And it's all on Garoppolo. All on Garoppolo and the special teams. The special teams, I believe they had a fumble, and that also killed them. But just overall the turnovers is what hurt. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he just didn't do a good job. Uh, they had four plays to Get back into the game towards the end. And they weren't able to score on any of them. And yet again, I blame Garoppolo. Kyle Sanahan is setting him up perfectly for success. Even without Debo Samuel, they still have a great arsenal of offensive weapons. Elijah Mitchell's a rising star. George Kittle, he's a beast. Brendan Ayuk is good. Even without Debo Samuel, that's still a good offense. So the fact that you're still losing games to teams that aren't playing very well, although the Seahawks did play well in that game, uh, someone has to take the blame. I don't think it's Shanahan anymore. And Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo has been hot recently, but is that Jimmy Garoppolo playing well, or is that Kyle Shanahan making the perfect scheme for him? Kind of like what Jared Goff did, or kind of like what Sean McVay did for Jared Goff when the Rams made it to the Super Bowl. Now, let's get into my top ten. Alright? honorable. Uh, normally, I don't do an honorable mention. But honorable mention to, this week to the Bengals. Them and the team I have at number ten are, like, right there. Right there. But I think... The Bengals lost by a very large margin. And the team I have at number 10 didn't. The team I have at number 10 being the 49ers, who I was just talking about. Garoppolo holds them back, but you look at everything else, and then once Debo Samuel comes back, this team is very, very good. It sucks that they might miss the playoffs because of games like that one against the Seahawks. But I do think that they're a playoff caliber team. Even if they don't make it, they are a good, good football team. The defense is good especially Nick Bosa has been a beast and the offense, the offense is really good, especially when when Debo Samuel is healthy. People really, really sleep on the guy, but he's up there for most valuable non quarterback. When healthy, I think he definitely is. I think McCaffrey is up there. Debo is probably like the next guy up, right? Like, I I would imagine. I I didn't really think most of that through, but he's the next name that comes to my mind. Maybe a defensive player. But anyway, 49ers, they have a great scheme, a lot of talent. They should make the playoffs. Even if they don't, they'd be the best team that doesn't make the playoffs in the league. Just very, very good, although the quarterback kind of holds them back. Garoppolo isn't. I would say he's the worst of the game-managing quarterbacks. Actually, Jared Goff is, and then probably Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I I mean, they're winning games for the most part. And Eliza, Eliza Mitchell, I'm telling you, my hot take with him, if he was healthy all year, offensive rookie of the year. That's a take no one really wants to hear. But the fact that Kyle Sanahan is actually giving a running back the lead role on his excellent scheme, That is a goldmine for stats, all right? Eliza Mitchell's been balling out when he's healthy. The problem is he gets injured too much. But when he's healthy, he's a beast. I think that he would be offensive rookie of the year if he was healthy the whole year. And I don't think he's better than Najee Harris or anything. But the stats that he would be putting up, the stats he is putting up when he is healthy, it's crazy. And that's with less time to work with the team. And, okay, hold on. Let me let me hold it back. I don't think he would win Offensive Rookie of the Year over Mac Jones. I, I forgot to clarify that. But I think he would win Offensive Rookie of the Year over Najee Harris and Jamar Chase. I think he's, if he was healthy the entire year, he would have the best rookie season out of any non-rookie quarterback. Offensively. That's my take. Let me clarify that more. But overall, the 49ers scheme is great. And they finally found a lead back for the first time in Kyle Sanahan's coaching history. Or at least it seems like they found a lead back. Let's move on to number nine. Number nine, the Chargers and their elite quarterback, Justin Herbert. Austin Eckler, very, very good running back. They're starting to utilize Mike Williams again, which I'm pretty sure he's out with COVID or something. I saw that earlier today, which... Huge blow for the team. But they have Keenan Allen, who was a very, very good route runner. Jared Cook's been solid. And the defense with Derwin James. Derwin James, possible comeback player of the year? I think so. He he He's a damn good player. And Joey Bosa's good. Just overall, just a great team. Brandon Staley's done a really, really good job. That win against the Bengals, very impressive. Number eight, I have a team that lost, the Buffalo Bills. Th- yeah, they they lost, but that, that game wasn't made for them, okay? In that weather, they cannot perform because they don't have a running game whatsoever, and they just have to keep throwing it. Do I think that they should have kept throwing it? No, because it wasn't working at all. But the reason that they did was because their running game is just atrocious. Why do, I have the, why do I have them at eight if their running game is that bad? Because everything else is perfect. The defense, phenomenal. Especially pass defense. Very, very good. Passing game. Oh, my God. Josh Allen. Really good quarterback. Really good. You want to talk about talent at the quarterback position? He has it. He has all the talent you would want. He can run the ball. He could rocket fire the ball. Into incredibly tight windows, it is unbelievable. They have rising stars like Dawson Knox. Just a very good football team, very very good, and well coached too. Sean McDermott is a good coach, although it did sound like I was kind of slandering him to start this episode. He's a good coach. Number seven, the Rams. They finally had their right the shick- right ship game, all right. But I want to see them beat a good team. They they've they were on a losing streak before that Jacksonville game, they won. Hopefully, they start to, you know, pick it up. Hopefully, they're able to do what they did against Jacksonville, against an actual good team, which they will have opportunities to coming up. I like that they're starting to install the running game a lot more. They're starting to line up under center a lot. They're no longer just lining up in shotgun and just letting Matthew Stafford let it fly or they they were always running the ball a decent amount but my my problem and the reason i thought that they went on that losing streak was because Sean McVay his offense has always been based around running the ball you take away the run game that that offense isn't going to work as well the play calls aren't going to work, work as well because every or most of the plays that Sean McVay designs passing the ball are based off the threat of the running game bootlegs, stuff like that. Those are huge parts of the Son McVay offense. You take that out, th- the passing offense won't be as good. Well, now they're starting to run the ball more, and now they're going to see some results, I'm hoping. If they continue to run the ball with Sony Michelle and everything, I'm expecting this offense to pick it right back up and this entire team to pick it right back up because they have too much talent to be losing as many games as they are. Number six, the Colts creamed, massacred, massacred the Texans. It wasn't even close. My God, that was a slaughtering on TV. Jonathan Taylor still just amazing. I mean, oh my God. And the offensive line blocking for him does a great job. Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. The defense, Darius Leonard, I I still think he's my favorite player in the NFL right now. And I think he has a very interesting case for Defensive Player of the Year, although he probably won't win it. He's a turnover machine, and I'm expecting him to continue to make turnovers. He's a sideline-to-sideline side player. I love seeing the guy play. DeForest Buckner, who's injured. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he's playing through it, and he's been playing pretty solid. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, great running back, like I said earlier. The passing offense is starting to emerge to be pretty good because of Michael Pittman, just a massacre on the Texans. Like, they killed him. It was unbelievable. Number five, the Chiefs. We knew that they were going to come back to the top five eventually. I wouldn't be surprised if next week I had them all the way at number one. Like, dude, they're starting to pick it back up, but it's weird because this is a completely different Chiefs team. That's why I find super interesting. This Chiefs team is not the same. They used to be, oh, they have such a good offense, but their defense is only average. Now it's the other way around. Their defense is so good. They're not they're not blowing teams out anymore. They're, they're not scoring 40 points a game anymore. That's not this team anymore. Now this team is stopping you consistently on defense, and then when they get the ball, they might get a drive. They might not, but they just know once they punt it, you're probably only going to score a field goal because this defense, now that they... I think the big change has been moving Chris Jones back to defensive tackle. I think that was the big change. And now it's starting to get healthy. They're starting to put Juan Thornhill on the field instead of Daniel Sorensen. And that's really, really been helping them. Just this defensive unit as a whole has just been playing great. And that's been the reason for the success, not the offense. Number four, the Buccaneers. You want to talk about a talented football team? That's what the Buccaneers are. I I mean, we all knew this. Their roster is loaded to the brim. And they've just been dominating teams recently. I mean, come on. Look at what they did to the Falcons. They've just been dominating. All right? And now they have a running game, too, with Leonard Fournette. He's been... I, I would say he's having a breakout season right now. I, I always thought that he would never return to the type of player that he was all the way back with Jacksonville. Now he's he looks like prime Leonard Fournette again. With a very good Tom Brady and phenomenal offense around him. It's crazy what uh Rob Gronkowski's able to do at his age, too. Just a great team and a great defense and the secondary. The defensive secondary, that's going to step up as they get healthier. Number three, the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, possibly the best quarterback in football. Jair Alexander, I'm pretty sure he's practicing for the first time since week four, so that's going to be huge for the team. Listen, the Packers have talent. Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and they have the scheme too. The question for them, and that's this has been the question for them since the season started, Can they make it past the NFC Championship? That's the question. If they do that, Super Bowl winning team. I I don't even think I have to watch, or like I'm obviously going to watch the Super Bowl, but I think if they make it past the NFC Championship, they win. Because the NFC is so hard, there's not really a top dog in the AFC. But the NFC, there's a lot of fiends. They can make it past the NFC Championship. I'm not too worried about the AFC. All right? Like the Patriots and Mac Jones with the rookie quarterback. I mean, it's Bill Belichick, so they they always have a chance, but I, I want to see the Packers continue to dominate in the regular season, and then we have to see what they can do late in the playoffs. That that's what it's about for this team. Because that's where they want to go. The Patriots. I've had them at number one for so long, I finally had to move them back to number two. And they didn't even do anything bad. I'm not mad about how they played against the Bills. It's just the team I put ahead of them, they they were, they were number one before the Patriots started to win games a lot. And I lowered them a little bit because I thought, you know, with their star player out, they were going to step back. They didn't. But I'll talk about them later. For now, let's just talk about the Patriots. Super well-coached football team. Super, super well-coached. Mac Jones, a great quarterback who, we just found out, has next to no ego, being completely fine, throwing the ball only three times. Kendrick Bourne is emerging as a very good receiver, which is something the team severely needed. The running game, unbelievable. The defense, they have the best defense in football. Just that simple. J.C. Jackson's a stud. Devin McCourty, he's old, but he's still super good. Matthew Judon, he's been an amazing edge rusher. And then Barmore, nose tackle, he's been playing really, really well. And number one, the Arizona Cardinals. I talked about it a little bit earlier. Listen, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins have no rust whatsoever. They're still just as good as they were before their injury, which is what scares me. They are a really good football team, and Cliff Kingsbury has been the reason for that. I haven't really gave Cliff Kingsbury much respect. but He deserves it for how well this team has been playing. It's been a huge part because of him. Okay? The Arizona Cardinals are a very, 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 Definitely the best football team in the league. They're very good. And I think that they are by far the best team in the league. They're super good. Kyler Murray. You can make an argument. Best quarterback in football right there. His ability to run and he has a great deep ball too. The only problem is he needs to run to make plays. All right. If you contain him, he can't do much because he can't really. Like, I'm not even saying this as a joke. He legitimately can't see much over his offensive lineman. it makes it harder for him that's why you see him have to roll out so much i'm not even joking like that's a legitimate flaw with his game but i think when they're when they're playing a team that can't contain him he's gonna play really well because then he can do whatever he wants in the pocket and make amazing plays with it and now they're starting to emerge with a run game with james Conner too and the defense no one expected this defense to be this good, but they are. They're really, really good. Buddha Baker's a stud, and just overall, the entire team's just been playing really well. Chandler Jones. Anyway, that's all we have for the Goal Line Podcast. If you want more content, check out No Huddle NFL on TikTok and/or Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL on Instagram and TikTok. No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. See you next week.